This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? I feel like I haven't really got a chance to talk to you much. You know, we've been busy and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see you and to be here. How is everything going? It's a pleasure to be here with you, John. And I will say, you know, this time change is killing me slowly but surely. I feel like at three o'clock, it's time for bed. I get you. Shout out to all the people out there like me with seasonal depression. (laughs) I got it too, I guess. (laughs) It's dark early and I am sad. That's uh, (laughs) pretty much my feeling for this time of year. So Yeah, I always talk about how I want to live in the cold again. And then it gets a little chilly and I'm like, oh, it's too cold. And then it's too dark and I don't like it. Well, I feel like it's always the grass is greener, right? Because in the middle of summer when it's 110 degrees, you're like, like, man, give me to the somewhere. Yeah. Give me 30. I want to see my breath. (laughs) And then it happens. You're like, can the sun just peek out for a damn minute? It's so cold. (laughs) But I mean, honestly, I don't mind either one. I just want the weather to make up its mind. Yesterday, the day before it was like 45, 50. Today was 70 degrees. Mm -hmm. And I'm like. My allergies cannot take this. Like, No. Just pick a temperature and stick with it. I don't know what's going on with this global warming stuff, but I am not a fan. Me either. Do your part, people. Do your part. Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's, I guess, is. I do do my recycling part. I try to reuse and use single use. I try to do my part, but we don't have to go down this rabbit hole. The greatest true crime is how we're murdering our planet. Not just. <laughs> well no it is awesome to see you and you know super excited the case that you're bringing i got your notes and i was like whoa okay this looks a little heavy and so i'm excited to get into it 
This episode is coming out the Monday before Thanksgiving. Hopefully everybody's gearing up. Hopefully the kids aren't home and driving you crazy, stuff like that. I know Millie's going to be off for the whole week. You know, hopefully we're gearing up for some time with friends and family and stuff like that. And everybody's doing well. But with this being your week in your case, and again, it is kind of a dense one. What do you say? Should we just jump in, kind of start digging through the details? Because, I mean, it looks like it's going to be crazy. Yeah, we can go ahead and just get started. Let's do it. The 2014 New Year was not starting off on the right foot in Wilmer, Oregon. Jesse Haney and his four siblings went to the Jackson County Sheriff's Office to report their father missing. They told police that their father's employer and landlord called to have them come get his belongings off of her property. The children felt that something was wrong as when they went to their father's trailer, they found his truck, motorcycle, tools, and even his dog were all left behind. Jesse told police that it wasn't uncommon for them not to talk to their father for several months at a time. And the last time he spoke with his father, Robert told him that he was going to be working for a woman named Susan Monica. The deal was that Robert would build her home for income and she would let him live in his trailer on her land. The sheriffs went to Susan Monica's 20-acre farm out in Weimar, Oregon. The land was extremely crowded. There were several old vehicles and rusty metals littering the property. Detectives were greeted by a cheerful Susan Monica. Police asked if she knew of Robert Haney and his whereabouts. Susan told detectives that Haney had lived there for about six months. She hired him to do handiwork around the farm and help build her home. She told police that Haney received a concerning phone call about a family member who had been the victim of an assault. Susan said she recalled him becoming extremely upset, and over the next few weeks he seemed depressed and started to drink heavily. Robert was always extremely intoxicated. Susan told police about hearing Haney yelling at his trailer in the middle of the night, saying things like, why, God, why? As sheriffs continued to question Susan, she reported that on September 9, 2013, she was planning to confront Haney about his drinking and erratic behavior. But he approached her first. Haney handed Susan money and asked if she would take care of his dog while he went to take care of things. Susan, of course, agreed. That's when she claimed Haney got into a white sedan with another male she had never seen before. And at this point, detectives felt that Susan was very cordial and willing to help find Robert Haney. Okay, so I have to tell you, I'm interested in finding out what happened to Robert Haney because it sounds like he's living a little bit of an erratic life. Like he's kind of off the rails a little bit. If my neighbor was outside his house shouting, why God, why at like three in the morning? I would definitely be calling the police, like trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. I also wonder, you know, just from this podcast and all the cases that we've done, just how much of the truth Susan is telling, because, you know, you just, you never know. We do a lot of stories like the Dorothea Puente, the, the landlord lady that we did, like she was the one who's like, yeah, they're just leaving. And she was burying them in her flower garden in the back. So, right. I'm really interested to find out if it was, this was something that, you know, was caused by his behavior or if something else was going on. But it's it's definitely got its hooks in me. I'm, I'm interested to find out what happens. Now, John, what makes you think anybody got murdered? Well, I mean, you know, just this podcast this is, is about murders. Usually someone gets murdered in this podcast every week. So I would assume there's a grisly death or something coming coming around the corner. Well, let's talk about who these people are, okay? And that might give you a little more insight. All right, let's do it. Robert Haney was born June 26, 1957. He was a shy, quiet kid who was not overly popular. 
He struggled most of his life and would eventually drop out of high school. Robert and his brother Don would run away and start their own lives. He began working in construction and he actually excelled at it. He met a woman named Thalia Larson and the pair would marry in the early 1980s. The couple would go on to have five children together. Robert worked extremely hard, usually about six days a week, just to provide for his family. This put a huge strain on his marriage, and ultimately in 2003, Thalia and Robert divorced. Robert and four of his kids would move to Medford, Oregon. Haney only wanted to provide a stable life for his four remaining children living at home. In 2012, Haney's last child moved out. It was time for him to downsize. He bought a camper and got a dog. Haney would travel around finding odd jobs and lived a nomadic lifestyle. Then, in the summer of 2013, Haney responded to an ad on Craigslist looking for a handyman. That's when he met Susan Monica. Now, Susan Monica was actually born Stephen Buchanan on July 8, 1948 in California. She grew up in the Bay Area with one brother and one sister. Her sister was born with Down syndrome and her mother put her in foster care as she felt inept to take care of her. Susan was estranged from her brother and she would enlist in the Navy and serve during the Vietnam War. She would eventually be honorably discharged from the Navy and it was at that time she began to transition to a woman. Not many people knew about her transition and few actually knew her birth name. After her time in the Navy, she began working as an engineer on submarines in San Francisco. She grew tired of the busy city life and eventually moved to Southern Oregon in 1991, purchasing a 20-acre farm in Weimar, Oregon. Susan lived off the grid but eventually got electricity wired to the farm. She raised several animals, but Susan was most passionate about her pigs. She started her own company called White Queen Construction, where she specialized in wrought iron fences and welding. Now, detectives needed more information if they were going to track down Robert Haney. His kids told detectives a similar story to the one Susan told police. They knew their father was drinking more since their family member was assaulted. This attack made Haney very depressed. They told police that their father could be very hard to deal with when drunk. His drinking had caused strain in their relationship in the past. Detectives needed anything that could help them track him down but they realized this would be difficult as Haney had a cash-only business. This meant no bank accounts to track purchases from. They searched homeless shelters and all of the local hospitals. There were no details about the white sedan other than it was a white four-door car. That's when Jesse Haney remembered his father used an EBT card. Now on January 9, 2014, detectives contacted the EBT agency to see the last transaction date. To their surprise, Robert Haney's EBT card was used in December 2013 at a Walmart in Grants Pass, Oregon. Now, this Walmart was about a 30-minute drive from Haney's trailer. Police had so many questions, but the one they needed the answer to most was who used that card in December. Detectives met at the Walmart in Grants Pass and reviewed the surveillance footage only to be shocked by what they saw. At the cash register, using Robert Haney's EBT card was none other than... Susan Monica. Police knew that something was not right, and they believed Susan knew more than she led them to believe. A search warrant was issued to search Susan Monica's home under the premise of identity theft. All right, so I told you, I thought there was more to this. Something's going on with Susan. I just, you know, we're talking about how big her farm is and stuff like that. I'm getting some Willie Pickton pig farmer vibes going because you mentioned some pigs. So again, like, you know me. These are some of the cases where I'm like, oh, tell me more. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm really interested to find out. But 
I don't know. It's uh, it's not looking good that you're like, oh, he just left and I don't know where he went. And now, you know, you're using a ZBT card, just racking up the charges at the Walmart. You know what I mean? So like I said, I'm, I'm interested to see how this shakes out. Well, on the following day, January 10th, 2014, police arrived at Susan's 20 acre farm. Susan appeared nervous and worried. When confronted about the surveillance footage, Susan told police that she was given permission to use his card while he was gone as she needed to feed his dog. She told police that she stopped using the card because it expired and there was a zero balance. While detectives continued to question Susan, officers searched for signs of any of Robert's belongings. Now with this search warrant, police must include a video of the property being surveyed. One officer was walking, describing the scene as he filmed. Noticing the farm was eerie and had a strong odor of decay. There were piles of garbage and junk everywhere, and the property had no running water or septic system. As he continued on, he stumbled upon a small pond. It was then that he noticed something strange, something that resembled a leg. It was apparent to officers that this was a human femur bone. At that point, police notified the detectives in the home with Susan about their findings. She was then asked to go to the station to finish questioning. Once there, detectives began their interrogation. In her recorded interview, Susan is asked if she knew if anyone had ever died on her property, to which she replied, no. Police asked Susan if anyone had died, would she tell them? And Susan was hesitant and replied, uh, I guess no. At this point, authorities informed Susan that they had found a human femur on her property. And that's when her story quickly changed. She began to tell detectives a different version of what happened in September 2013. She claimed that she went down to check on things around the farm that morning, and while out, she noticed something strange. She saw her pigs herded up on top of something. She went into their pen to investigate when she saw them eating something. She tried finding off the pigs, and that's when she said she saw Robert Haney laying there with his guts all over the place. He was being eaten alive. She shared that she saw his arm moving and heard some moaning. That's when she went inside to grab her gun. Susan returned and shot him in the head. She said, quote, I put him out of misery. I do that for my animals, but this was the first time I did it for a human being. She continued to say, I knew it was wrong, but if it was one of my pigs out there suffering, I would have done the same. Susan told detectives that after she shot Haney, she left him out in the pig pen for a few days. She took off his clothes so that it was easier for the pigs to have access to him. After the pigs seemed done with Haney's body, she placed his remains into plastic bags. Detectives asked why she didn't call 911, why she did not get the pigs off of him, and why she didn't shoot the pigs. Susan shared that she was worried about the pigs, and she thought that if she told police what happened, they would come and euthanize her favorite pets. Detectives felt that she showed no remorse for shooting Robert Haney and it seemed as though she only truly cared about her pigs. During the questioning, detectives told Susan they were planning to search the entire farm and asked if they would find anything or anyone else. Susan immediately started to break down. She asked for a piece of paper and began to draw a rough guideline of the pig pens and the barn. She put an X just right outside the pig pens. Crying, Susan shared, That's where you're going to find Steve. Now, Robert wasn't the first handyman Susan had hired. Stephen Delacino lived on the neighboring property. She had hired him to do odd jobs around her farm. Delacino was kind, but a loner. He did not keep in touch with his family regularly. 
and in the summer of 2012, Susan told detectives that two of her guns went missing. She said she went through Delacino's property and found both her handgun and a rifle. When she went to confront him about why he stole her guns, she said things escalated quickly. Susan had her twenty two revolver in her hand when Stephen began to attack her. She said as they struggled, the gun went off and hit Stephen in the back of the head. She panicked and worried that she had killed her friend and neighbor. That's when she said Delacino got up, still bleeding from his head, and tried chasing her. Susan then grabbed the rifle and shot him again in the head. She told detectives that he died in the barn area. Susan claimed she was upset at what had just happened, so she went inside to lay down. That's when she said she realized she made a huge mistake. She rushed outside, but it was too late. Susan's beloved pigs dragged the body to their pen and began to tear Stephen Delacino to pieces. She left him outside in the pen and later returned only to find his skull, spine, and other random bones. She said two weeks later she buried what was left of Stephen Delacino. Police again were confused as to why she would not call 911 to report what happened. Susan again said she was worried for her pigs that they would be euthanized. Detectives told Susan they were going to fully search all 20 acres. When asked if they would find any more bodies or if this had happened to anyone else, she replied, If I tell you about the 17 others, I will spend the rest of my life in jail. Excuse me, Olivia, did you say 17 others? That's what she said, yeah. If if I tell you about the 17 others, I'll spend the rest of my life in jail. Oh, my God. So I can tell you right right up front, I don't believe anything that that this person is saying. It's one thing to be like, oh, yeah, he fell in the pig pen, got hurt or whatever. The pigs attacked him, whatever. But then to be like, oh, and then my other neighbor, we got into an argument and gun accidentally went off and then my pigs ate him, too. And then like, and the 17 others, like, what is the story with that? So, I mean, this is obviously something that's been going on for quite some time. It is, uh, oh man. I mean, there's gotta be some hardy pigs. It sounds like they got some good eating though. Like it's, uh, the whole time we're talking about it. Did you ever look at nature is metal on Instagram or anything like that? No. Where it's, it's literally just animals being super violent in nature right just doing what animals do and that's all that was going through my head because these pigs are just like yo we about okay. to eat you know what i mean like food's here that's but are that's pigs door really dash. that aggressive pigs like if, eat a human, anything. if you just fall in there though no i don't believe that is the case but i believe if there's like legit dead meat in there that they'll be like, right they'll oh, like yeah, eat anything eat. right because you know i mean that's when we talk about willie Pickton. I'm sitting here thinking that this story is actually happening how she says it happens. Well, but I mean, I think that's not a bad way to look at it, though, right? Because you're putting yourself in the brain of someone who is like, well, yeah, tell me about this. And then you've got natural questions. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think a pig would just attack you and be like, I'm going to. Now, I will say this, right? If there were 17 people before him, maybe these pigs are like, I've, you know, to it. I like the taste of a certain something because I've been eating this a lot. So I don't know, but I don't think naturally a pig would be like, I'm just going to attack a human and try to eat them. But I do know they're like garbage disposals. You can give them anything and they'll eat them. So, but 
super interested to find out what happens. I don't think excited is the right word, but like, I'm, <laughs> I want to know what happens and, and what they end up finding at this property. Detectives now knew they were dealing with a serial killer. Susan was arrested and charged with two counts of murder and two counts of abuse to a corpse. And detectives continued their search. On January 11, 2014, crime scene investigators quickly found what was left of Robert Haney. In the barn, they found multiple black trash bags, one with Haney's head and the other with remnant decaying body parts. They began a large-scale search using an excavator to dig holes where Susan identified the X of where they could find Stephen Delacino's remains. And of course, they found them. Both families were notified of these terrible tragedies. The remains of both men were sent to the lab for testing. Forensics were able to confirm that both men ultimately died of gunshot wounds to the head. Pathologists were able to identify places on their bones proving there was consumption by animals. During their search, investigators dug 136 holes. They found an entire back room in the barn full of belongings of other people all stacked near the pig pens. There was a large pile of shoes suggesting there must be others. 400 bones were found suggesting there could be more like Robert and Stephen. However, after testing, they were all determined to be animal bones. There were no other human remains or bones found on Susan Monica's large organ farm. Police were able to track down others who had worked and lived on the farm, confirming they all were alive. Now, on April 15, 2015, Susan Monica's trial began. Prosecutor Alan Smith told the story to the jury that Susan had killed her employees during a heated argument and fed their remains to her pigs. The prosecution would bring a surprise witness to testify against Susan in court, her former cellmate Jordan Ferris. Now, Ferris and Susan were cellmates while she awaited trial. And Ferris testified that Susan told her that she and Robert got into an argument. He had been drinking and he tried coming on to her. She said that's when she shot him and pushed him into the pig pen. Susan told Jordan that Haney was still alive as the pigs started devouring him. This made Ferris extremely uncomfortable. She said Susan did a very creepy laugh after telling her the story. Ferris also presented to the court a signed birthday card from Susan. It was signed, quote, from the sweetest murderer in Jackson County, Susan B. Monica. Now, the defense claimed that this card was a poor joke and consistent with Susan's strange sense of humor. The defense pointed out all the inappropriate comments Susan had made during her interrogation. They argued that she killed only in self-defense and in Robert's case for mercy. Now, what was odd is that Susan not only had her defense team, but she also represented herself. She made her own statements to the jury and cross-examined investigators on the case. She would make loud remarks during the proceedings, almost as if she was not the one on trial. The whole thing was described as a circus. It was as if Susan felt she could do a better job than her defense team alone. On April 21, 2014, after just one hour of deliberation, Susan Monica was found guilty on all four counts. In Oregon, any charges of murder are mandatory life in prison. During the sentencing, the judge made a statement saying, I don't know how else I can put it. You valued pigs more than you value people. It may sound harsh, but you are a cold-blooded killer. Susan is now serving a life sentence in the Oregon Department of Corrections. She must serve a minimum of 50 years before she'll be eligible for parole. To this day, the investigative team is still haunted by this case. The biggest question remains, 
What about the other 17 people Susan Monica had mentioned? That's it, John. That's this week's case. What'd you think? I love how she's like, well, I just got a dark sense of humor, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's like, it's so sad that, you know, these two men lost their, their lives at the hands of this obviously mentally ill person. But there is something as somebody with a dark sense of humor, there is part of me that's like, well, you know, was there 17 or was she just trying to be like smart with the cops? You know, she's like, well, if I tell you about the other 17, I'm going to be in prison forever. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's her sense of humor, sarcastic. And if you watch some of her interrogation, like her interview, it's recorded and she, she just has that kind of dry humor where it's very sarcastic. And so like, I could see where maybe she was just, you know, trying to get an arise, arise, whatever out of them because they clearly didn't find any other human remains, but she definitely was someone who had that kind of humor. Yeah. I also am like, again, as somebody with a dark sense of humor, like you have to know when to turn. Like, so for example, if you're sitting in an interrogation room, you're going to turn it off, John. Right. Like, for example, (laughs) we record this podcast and people may or may not know that a lot of what we say during the podcast gets edited out and thrown away, never to be heard by anyone because I, you know, I make a lot of like dark, silly jokes, but not everybody has my sense of humor and I don't want to offend anybody or end up super canceled. So I cut those from the show and only you and I know about them and like laugh about them. Right. But in an interrogation room when it's, you know, Hey, am I going to find more bodies on your property? Being like, well, if you know, you stumble across the other 17, yuck, yuck, yuck. You know what I mean? Might not be the best time to do it. And if you watch the recordings, you'll see that she is just kind of like that. But it's like there's a time and a place. Yeah, this case, it's really weird, too, because when you were talking about it, there's an episode of Criminal Minds. I think we talked about it um, when we did the Willie Pickton episode. And it is starting to click with me where I think they blended the two cases for this episode. Because one of the things in the Criminal Minds episode was like finding a pile of shoes. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like that's where they pulled this from. But there were, you know, these two brothers who were feeding victims to pigs and stuff like that. So it's, it's almost like they took these two stories and put them together. But yeah, I mean, that lady loved her pigs, man. It's just, like I said, I feel super bad for Robert Haney's family who, you know, they're just like, I just want to know what happened to my dad. And then, I mean, can you imagine a loved one goes missing and you find out that they've been eaten by pigs you know what i mean not like I mean, yeah that's kind of how steven delashino's family felt you know they were pretty estranged but his daughter seen in one of the um episodes of snap that i will be in the show no- show notes and it was basically like she feels cheated because she didn't get to like have this relationship with her dad but she also at the same time was like i don't understand why someone would do this to him like just because he was a loner he was like a nice guy And also, I mean, I'm sure there's always that question in your mind of like, well, did they just take off and like leave, you know, and not say goodbye or did something happen? Because you really don't know until you know, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And like that part is just, I mean, it's, it's super sad. And then just to think this lady is like, well, you know, I like, I accidentally killed both these people, but you know, I just, I love my pigs. My pigs got to eat and 
you know, like, I don't want anything to happen to my pigs. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's out there. I mean, it's out there. I, I mean, I don't know if we want to get into deadbolt test, but yeah, what you got? I mean, for me, okay. Personally, I'm not necessarily worried. I'm not very handy, right? I'm not going to be a handyman on anybody's ranch, anything like that. Well, that's sad to know because I was planning on hiring you to manage my ranch when we make it big and I get to move to Montana. Yeah, but you were also telling me that you were like buying a bunch of pigs and stuff. And so I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. Um, No, if you need like a light bulb change, if you need somebody to set up your Wi-Fi, I'm your guy. But if you need or if you need like a very boxy bench, I can do that. But (laughs) that's about the extent. But. For me, I think this is still going to, I'm still going to put this at a four, even though I I know it's never going to happen to me, anything like that. It is just mind blowing to know that we have now done two cases of people who have murdered folks and then fed them two pigs. And I'm sure it happens way more than that. But just the idea like that is happening in, you know, Oregon, middle of the United States, that somebody's just like, I got an idea. I'm just going to off this person and feed them to my pigs. Like that scares me that those people are out there. So I think for me, I'm going to, I'm going to put it at a four. What about you? I think I'm going to put it at a five and I'm only kind of thinking this because, you know, I think about my dad who like lives in his camper and they live on the lake and, you know, they're making friends with all the neighbors and I hope none of them are listening, but <laughs> I just think about that. So like in my mind, as I'm going through this case, I'm like, oh yeah, like I could see my dad being like the handyman or like, you know, that helping out the neighbor. And then the next thing, you know, eaten by pigs. So I'm going to put it a little higher than you. Don't think this is going to happen to my dad. He lives on a very lovely lake, but that's just kind of where my mind goes when I'm reading about this case. I do like the idea that like, your dad has neighbors who were planning on doing it, but then they listened to the <laughs> podcast and they were like, no, now we no, can't get away not. with it. Yeah. Re- yeah. Jeff, return the pigs. We got to try chickens. Like just <laughs> something different. I mean, that's just where my mind went. You know, I just was thinking, thinking that. So I'm putting it at a five. I do think this whole thing is sick. And the fact that there's two episodes of pigs is beyond real. Yeah, for sure. Like, I did not think that we would be doing another case like this in the the span of the show. So it is kind of mind blowing. But also, I mean, that makes sense because, you know, your dad has that life, right? If I had anybody in my life who was like, yeah, I live in a trailer. Maybe I'm a little more like nomadic or like live in a camper or something like that. And I'm traveling a little bit more. That would, you know, I think it would be a little bit higher for me. But yeah, like I said, it's just the idea that, you know, there's people out there that this seems like a good idea to them. You know, I live in Tennessee. You live in Louisiana. There's probably people with pigs within 50 miles of you. Same mm-hmm. here. You know what I mean? And just thinking that somebody could be like, well, you know, these pigs get hungry. You know I, mean, I got I mean? chickens down the street. I got chickens in my backyard. My neighbors have them like kitty corner to me and they get mm-hmm. out and they get in my backyard all the time. And now I'm going to look at them and be like, don't you even think about it. <laughs> you... <laughs> Damn dirty birds all over again. Yeah. Well, that is where we fall on the deadbolt test for this week's episode. I'm coming in at a four. Olivia's coming a little bit higher at a five, but we want to know where does the murder of Robert Haney fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram and check the locks pod. Find us on Twitter, check the locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you. 
And Olivia, as we're going through this case, listen, I think I'm skipping ham on Thanksgiving this year. I think I'm going to stick with the turkey. I lost my appetite, though, going through this. Do you have a five-star review, something to put a better taste in my mouth? What do you got? I do. This week, our five-star review is kind of cut off, but it's from Winbeth. And they said, hello, John and Olivia. My review definitely overdue. As a fan of maths, and that's all that they said. But Winbeth left us five stars, and I think they were trying to leave us a little bit longer of a review. But we appreciate the effort. So, Winbeth, let us know who you are. Yeah, definitely reach out and let us know. We would love to get you some stuff sent out. We got stickers, buttons, I mean, all sorts of stuff. We got these really cute bags that we can send stuff in now. Olivia, I'm sure you remember that one review where (laughs) the person was like, I just got a blank envelope that said, check the locks. And my entire family got terrified. (laughs) So we have uh, little bags now that have our little cartoon pictures on them. And you know very clearly what it is. But reach out. We would love to send you some stuff again. You can find us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. If you're in our Facebook group, you can reach out there. And if you're not a social person, that is totally fine. Head over to CheckTheLocksPod.com. Click that email button. Send us a message. We would love to hear from you, get you the stuff sent out. And Olivia, if somebody wants to have their five-star review read on the podcast, what is the best way to do that? They need to go to the Apple podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll down where you see all five stars, click all five of those beautiful purple stars and leave us a little bit of love and tell us what you think about Check the Locks. That's right. And Olivia says it every week. She says it best so I don't have to. Apple podcast, click the stars, write the review. If you need a cheat code, you can find it in the description of the episode that you're listening to now. And look, everybody, we talk about this every single week. These reviews, they help us out so much. They get us into other shows' recommendations. They help new listeners find the show. I mean, it just helps us to get out in front of as many people as we can and build our community. So if you've taken the time to leave a review, just know that we appreciate that so much. If you haven't, what are you doing? Apple Podcasts, leave that review today. Also, if you listen on Spotify, you can leave a Spotify comment. We will read those as well. We just love giving stuff out. So whether it's Apple, Spotify, let us know what you think. And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. We got a lot of great tiers, a lot of great benefits, exclusive stickers, T-shirts, coffee mugs, all stuff that you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes ad-free and early. So if you love Check the Locks, but you hate commercials, Patreon is the way to go. So again, if you like what we do, you want to help us keep the lights on, throw us a few bones, that is patreon.com forward slash Check the Locks. Get signed up today. And if you can't financially support the show, we definitely understand. Just listening and hanging out with us every week means just as much, if not more. So if you like what we do, you listen, you're hanging out with us, please make sure to share it with your friends and your family. Again, that is how we are going to continue to grow, get in front of a larger audience and bring people into this community. If it's something that you like, share it with your friends. If that is something that you are doing, just know that we appreciate you more than we could tell you. means the world to us. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to Check the Logs on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See you next week. Look out for pigs.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.